Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. If this is your first episode in a few episodes, we are no longer the Benny and the Bets podcast. We decided to make a switch uh, just before the start of the season. We are roughly a month before pitchers and catchers report two weeks away, roughly, from truck day. So the milestones are creeping up on us. And again, we are the bastards of Boston baseball. Last episode, we covered the Kluber signing, uh, as well as the uh, DJ LeMahieu signing. It was a very Yankees-centric episode. This one will be just about completely Red Sox. I don't know if you want to say it's a big development, but Saturday afternoon it was widely announced that Martin Perez would return to the Boston Red Sox on a one-year, $5 million deal. There might be some escalators to increase it just a little bit. I don't have the exact details, but it is a one-year deal, actually with an option for a second year. Uh, Shortly after that, Rob Bradford tweeted that this move by the Red Sox likely takes uh, some significant free agents off the board that they will no longer pursue. Earlier tonight, John Heyman tweeted that the Red Sox would be in attendance. Well, actually, I take that back. Heyman tweeted that Anibal Sanchez and... uh Uh-oh. Julio Teheran would be having a joint workout. Sanchez and Teheran. And then Chris Cotillo responded that the Red Sox, in fact, would be in attendance. So perhaps Hein Bloom is attempting to have the largest collection ever of uh, number four and number five starters because the names we're hearing are not good. And. Um, with the exception of Erod coming back, it's the same rotation. Basically, no upgrades from 2020. A lot of frustration uh, directed at Heim Bloom over, uh, you know, the last 48 hours. The Red Sox had roughly $40 million to play with and a lot of mediocrity. So, Charlie, go ahead. I know you got a lot to say. I have been saying this for so long, but I feel like there are 30 teams in Major League Baseball and only 29 GMs. Because you have a a team that expects to do damage and do work and participate and actually be competitive. And then 2020 came and said, ah, hold my beer. And then you're going to see uh, what we want to call a baseball team form. And so I said, okay, cool. So that's year one. We kind of knew that it was going to be a, a bust year. We didn't have Chris Sale. We lost David Price. I know Terry was upset about that. Uh, Porcello was gone. We lost uh, literally everyone. Evaldi was going to be our only healthy guy. And Erod was down with myocarditis. We still don't know what the status is of of Erod with myocarditis. Yes, he should be good to go. We'll see. We still don't know what's going to happen with Nate Bustavaldi. Uh, Hopefully he comes back and can play at least four games. No, I'm just kidding. I think he'll make probably minimum half of his starts this year. We still don't know what we're going to see with Chris Sale, how much time it's going to take for him to um, come back before he yields. You brought back Martin Perez and you saved... 1.8 1.8 million dollars and you blew it on Corey Kluber a plethora of other players but most recently Corey Kluber who I really did make a push to try to get him to Boston by inviting him and his whole family out to dinner but this is just completely unacceptable you're the GM of the Boston Red Sox You've literally done nothing to enhance your team besides add Martin Perez, who we saw last year, and Matt Andrees. I just want that to sink in for a second. If you think that this team is going to go anywhere, I would personally 
love to know what you're smoking, and then ask if you would be polite enough to mail me some so that I can tolerate this 2021 Boston Red Sox season. I was so fired up about I'm Bloom, about how upset I was with his lack of, of quality as far as decision-making. And a fellow colleague kind of mellowed me out a little bit, saying it wasn't his fault because the former administration, for lack of a better term, kind of screwed the pooch on this one. But he still hasn't done anything to open up the pocketbook to make the team better. Now, it, it's what other players do you have out there? They're not going to sign Trevor Bauer. Jake Odorizzi is a 50-50 shot at best. What What's left? Julio Tehran, who hasn't been good in, what, five years, four years? What Julio are you going to get? Last year was terrible. I think his ERA was like, he, remind, wasn't he awful last year? He was like 0-4, 0-5, like a 20 ERA. Like, he's not going to do it this year. So I'm looking at 2021 as nothing short of 2020 2.0. It's, it's, it's that sad. Not just bad, sad. It's going to be a disappointing season, and it's not going to start off like it did last year where we like blew out, I think it was the Orioles in the first game of the season, and then it was just cascading, just out of control. I don't think this team wins and plays 500 baseball. I personally think it'll be a it'll be a shock if they can hit 70. There are some outliers. We still don't know what's going to happen with some of their minor leaguers. We still don't know what's going to happen with some of the players that performed last year. Maybe they do well, but maybe they're on an innings number um, or um, maximum for this season. They won't pitch in September. I have no idea. I think I've been incredibly mellow and gentle on Bloom, but you, sir, have absolutely disappointed every single fan that Don's be. Awful. I uh, also forgot to mention that Alex Cora was interviewed on MLB Network Radio today and says that the 2021 rotation is better than what they had in 2020 and 2019. So he likes this pitching better. And so, Jason, I guess, where are you at right now with how it's currently constituted? I'm incredibly frustrated, and I've been trying to be really patient with Kyan Bloom um, because – I know that this offseason is going to be a little bit different. Um, I feel like free agents are going to wait longer to sign because of COVID, because of even though Manfred said be ready to start on time, I think the players are looking at him going, yeah, right, buddy. Um, so I feel like there's still a lot of hesitation from especially guys like Trevor Bauer, who Trevor Bauer, as much as I like him, he thinks he's smarter than everyone else in the world. Um especially Rob Manfred. So he's probably looking at it going, yeah, I'm not going to sign until I know for sure uh, when spring training starts and when opening day is actually going to be. So I've been trying to be patient. I've been trying to say, okay, look, it's, it's different. It's going to be harder to get guys to sign in December, January. Fine. But right now, all he has to show for his work is, you know, Hunter Renfro, who is, a reclamation project because he sucked in 2020 and you're hoping that he can rediscover his power, which, you know, good luck. Um, Matt Andrees, who I'm sorry, has never been good. I don't, I don't care what anyone says. I, you know, I'll love, love you. Mean it, Andrew, the guy's never been good. Okay. Like I don't care if he's an opener or he's a closer or he's a swing man, which is my new favorite, most hated term. Um, that he's going to be a swing man, like, please. He's never been a good pitcher. And today, they come out with, oh, we we signed Martin Perez. Okay, well, you could have had him in the first place if you just picked up his option. You didn't want to do that. You saved a couple million bucks by renegotiating and signing to a different contract. And I like Martin Perez. I think he was valuable last year. But I don't look at a Martin Perez signing and go, oh, okay, 
Well, that, that means we're winning the division now. Everything's fixed. Okay, we got Martin Perez. Everything's fixed. Perez Day is coming back. Everyone excited for Perez Day every five days? Like, no, it's not enough. And I've said it from the beginning. Everyone says, well, Erod will be back. Uh, are we sure? He's dealing with myocarditis. Like, that's a heart condition. The guy couldn't walk for months after dealing with COVID and dealing with everything he went through. Like, there's no guarantee that Eduardo Rodriguez is going to come back and give you 200 innings. In fact, I think it'll be a miracle if that happens. Chris Sale, you know, assuming he doesn't have a setback, is going to come back in what, June, maybe July? Like, again, that's assuming no setbacks. And how many times do we hear a guy having setbacks after Tommy John? So right now your pitching staff still kind of looks really, really shaky. And there are guys out there like Kluber that are, you know, that are signing everywhere else. Odorizzi's still out there. And I'll tell you right now, they're not getting Odorizzi. They're not. I, I wanted Odorizzi. I've wanted him from the start. He's going to sign somewhere else because he's going to want just a little bit more. And Kyle Bloom's going to go, well, we could give you that extra one or two million. But you know what? Nah, nah. We'll go with Brian Johnson for half the year. We we can we can squeeze out value out of a Brian Johnson instead of paying Jake Odorizzi a, a couple extra million bucks. I'm telling you, this is the problem when you get one of these guys in here who thinks that he can make like you know a makeshift rotation out of just a bunch of jags, and he's not going to pay for Odorizzi. You know, I don't want Julio Tehran either. That do, that news doesn't excite me. Julio Tehran to me is damaged goods. He's 29 going on 30, and quite honestly, like his best years are behind him. So I'm I'm really frustrated. I've I've been trying to be patient. I've been trying to give Kyan Bloom the benefit of the doubt, but at the same time, I look at it and I go, everywhere else, all these other teams are making moves. They're trying to make themselves better for 2021. What are you doing? Are you just happy with making lateral moves to maybe add a couple more wins because 2020 was so bad that you think, hey, if we come back and we perform a little bit better that, you know, no one's going to care and and Red Sox Nation will be happy? Like, it's not enough. There are guys out there that can make this team a lot better. There are guys out there that can make the Red Sox an 86-87 win team. And he's just not making the moves. And it's like, Okay, how long are you gonna sit on your hands? Are you gonna are you gonna sit and wait until everybody's gone and you have no moves left to make? Like, I don't know. It's frustrating. I, I'm starting to get really impatient with Kyan Bloom. The Red See? Sox have uh thirty million roughly uh still available to to make signings, but here's where I'm at. The moment Martin Perez got announced, and this came Earlier in the week, the you know we were hearing reports from the beat writers saying the Red Sox were getting ready to make a slew of moves. So I'm getting excited. I'm like something's coming. You know, Kluber's workout, you know, hadn't happened yet. And I, admittedly, I, I know Charlie and I disagree on this. I, I wasn't a big Kluber guy. A lot of you know, a lot of red flags there, in my opinion. But um, but you know that move, you know, was possible and. We were getting ready for something significant to happen. And then it becomes Martin Perez. The moment he got signed, I was like, this is it. This is it. This is all we're going to do. The plan is to tread water until Chris Sale is ready to come back. And the risky thing about that is we could be completely out of it by mid-May. And then none of that will have mattered. We could be eight or ten games under five hundred, and then it doesn't even matter if Chris Sale comes back this year. You know, I mean, you you probably want him back to work on some things and to you know get ready, I guess, for twenty twenty two. As depressing as that sounds, but this is so bad. And I tweeted out their numbers yesterday. Eduardo Rodriguez, I, I think. I don't think we would argue too much about him being a number three, but he does have a career 4.03 ERA. Next, you have Nathan Avoldi, who at best is a number four. He's got a career 427 ERA. Next, you have Martin Perez, 
Same thing, number four starter at best, a career 4.71 ERA, and then you have Nick Pavetta, who's basically a number five until proven otherwise, a career 5.40 ERA. Now, I know people like to bash the earned run average start uh, stat, excuse me, um, and go with some peripheral stats. I'm pretty basic, you know, I mean... If if a guy's career ERA is is above four, you know, then then he gives up a lot of runs, and that that's all I care about. I'm not gonna. There's no fancy stats that are gonna get me around that. I mean, if you're comparing the top two Cy Young candidates, and there's some peripheral stats, you know, for a guy with a slightly higher ERA, okay, I might I might buy that. If his K through nine was insanely higher than the guy with the lowest ERA, fine, fine, give it to that guy. But when we're talking about bottom of the rotation guys, they are who they are. And I'm frustrated. I'm just as frustrated as everyone else. I don't get what Bloom is trying to do. I mean, obviously he's trying to stockpile some some guys for the farm keep the payroll there must be a magic number they're not going to exceed it we we know that but you know maybe they're saving some payroll space in case a trade needs to happen involving a pitcher who's gonna you know require some of that you know excess payroll to be used but i don't know and here's the thing and this is this is where Red Sox fans are just going to completely reject Heim Bloom. Theo Epstein in his third season with the Red Sox won a World Series. Ben Sherrington in his second season as the general manager of the Red Sox won a World Series. Dave Dombrowski in his third year with the team won a World Series. With Hein Bloom, it's gonna be a while. I think you're looking at the fourth or fifth year, realistically, before it happens. And you can go back to 2012, the, you know, with Sherrington, or excuse me, well, coming into 2013, uh, I meant, um, you know, Victorino, Napoli. Those weren't. Those were kind of underwhelming at the time. Like they were okay, they were going to be serviceable, but they weren't going to be the backbone of the team. We didn't think. And then you had some complimentary acquisitions: Johnny Gomes, Koji Uihara, which no one thought was significant at the time. And and those were the moves that Sherrington made, and we did win a World Series. And but we did. We were a more talented team than we presently are now when those guys got added. So now we're adding Renfro, Andres, who wasn't even good enough to pitch in Tampa, who arguably have the best pitching program in Major League Baseball. If he sucked on that program, why is he going to be good with us? You know, so we're a worse team than we were coming into 2013, and, and the acquisitions we've made are worse than those acquisitions. So... You know, any hope to have a deep postseason run next year, you know, going a couple of rounds in the playoffs, um, you know, if they are, in fact, expanded, are pretty slim. And we might not even be a playoff team. You know, We're not. We're not even close to playoff. Teams. I was going to say, yeah, no, we're right now. We're not a playoff team. You, you, no, absolutely not. You can't even sniff playoffs with this team right now. It's that nope. bad. You know, I was watching, like, I was, like, looking at ESPN yesterday, for example. I was curious, like, oh, what are the top headlines? The top headline, Valleycats dropped as affiliate to Major League Baseball in the Astros. That's the first headline. The second headline is, source, Perez back with Red Sox on a one-year deal. That is the second time the Red Sox have been in the news. Three-fourth tab, Kluber, Yankees, finalizing $11 million deal a year. Tab below that, Red Sox third baseman Devers agrees on a $4.575 million deal. Perez signing was higher up on the list than Rafi Devers, $4.575 million. That kind of annoyed me a little bit, too, because Perez probably won't be back in 2022 unless we're going to try to get him for $4.8 million and save $200,000. Because 
you're talking about this guy won it in year three. This guy won it in year two. This guy won it in year three. Bloom's not going to get to the World Series by year five unless he decides to really, like, open up the pocketbook and, like, really do, like, a very good impression of Mary Poppins and really stick your hands in there, get some money to buy some players. It's just not going to happen. This is not the Tampa Bay Rays. You cannot expect to win in Boston on a $30 million sal- uh, on a $30 million payroll. It just doesn't work. And Terry just mentioned it. The pitching program in Boston is not like the pitching program they have in Tampa Bay. It's not even close. So I think it's adorable that he's trying to do it his way because that's what he's familiar with. Very quickly, though, and by the end of this year, I would be shocked if there weren't some bells going off saying, maybe this guy just isn't the right fit, or maybe we need to bring in somebody to help him make some, uh, I don't know, additions, signings, anything that makes it look like you're not comatose. This is pathetic. Part part of the problem is that in order to turn this thing around, because the Red Sox are in a weird position where they they have major league ready, like almost MVP caliber talent, right? When you look at Devers, Bogarts, and I guess when he's going, J.D. Martinez, right? Ooh. But yeah, right, exactly. That's that's if he's going. And by the way, all you people who say, oh, well, J.D. Martinez is going to he's going to bounce back. It, you know, it's, he'll be fine. Are you sure? Are you sure? Because I think that guy is a mental midget. And I'm pretty sure that after last year, the down year he had without no with no video or whatever, like I'm not convinced that JD Martinez is gonna go back to hitting three hundred with forty bombs. Okay. So really you've got Bogart's endeavors. Those are your two superstars right now. Maybe Eduardo Rodriguez if he's fully healthy and he comes back and he performs, right? So the Red Sox are in a weird position where you want to build around those guys, but you also have to rebuild. So he can't just do what the Yankees did in 2016, because everyone says that. Oh, do what the Yankees did in 2016. Just trade away all your veterans, build up your farm system again with your own version of Glaber Torres and all those guys, and then you'll compete. The problem with that is the Yankees did that. They still haven't won the World Series, by the way. Like, they haven't. So, I mean, it worked for them at the time, but now that window's already slowly starting to close and then you can't overspend for guys like trevor bauer and all that because if you do that and you don't win then you're right back where you started you're having to rebuild again guys are getting older salaries are getting too expensive and you have to reset again so they are in a tough position but that being said like signing guys like martin perez and matt andrese like that's not the answer either there has to be a middle ground where you're signing guys that can help you compete, that aren't too expensive, that don't jeopardize your farm system. Again, guys like Jake Odorizzi, even Kluber on a one-year deal. I know it's $11 million, but like, take a shot. If the guy regains his Cy Young ability, then there you go. Like that, that brings so much more stability to your rotation, and he just isn't willing to do it. It's almost like he's caught between two worlds where – He's so afraid to trade away prospects and jeopardize the farm system, which I get. But he's also so afraid to spend too much money. And it's like, well, let's just bring in Matt Andrees. He might add two wins to our win total. That that should be fine, right? We, we can squeak into the playoffs and maybe something will happen then. Like, baseball is not hockey. If you squeak into the playoffs, it doesn't mean that you can go on a run and go to the World Series. It very, very rarely happens. You've got to be better than that. So that's where my frustration is. It's just like it's it's like he's trying to straddle the fence and he's not doing it well. If you add a guy like Odorizzi, how many years would he get? Two, three, three. tops. Three. Yeah. Okay. After next season, you've got JD coming off the books. You got Evoldi coming off the books. And we might get into Xander in a little bit, actually, as well. Uh, but 
you've got money coming off the books. So even if you give him three years, that's still short term. Whatever the long-term plan is, this doesn't affect that because he's either going to come off the books when Evaldi and JD does, or we'll have him for one more year, which is probably not going to be the worst thing ever. So I just, Mm -hmm. I don't get it. I don't get it either. And I mean, why are we going to start a season with 15, 20, 25 million still there that could have been used? Like, I, I don't get it. Remember the wild card game? It was the it was the Orioles and the Blue Jays, and Buck Showalter did not go to Britain, and they lost. He, he Apparently, he didn't want Britain coming into the game unless they had a lead or, or whatever. And that bullet was left in the chamber. Okay, this isn't the best comparison, but when you have that much money, you're leaving bullets in the chamber, and you're screwing yourself. So I just... I, I, the the Red Sox fan base is going to reject him and they're already not watching games on Nesson. You know, I think Dave O'Brien might have a, a big role in that, but um, you know, and as we come out of the pandemic and fans are allowed back in, I mean, how many of them are going to want to, how many of them just found better things to do in the last year and a half? They're they're playing with fire here. They need to be competitive, you know, and not miss the playoffs for the third year in a row. We haven't missed the playoffs in the World Series era. So basically this entire century, which we're 21 years through, as insane as that sounds, we, we haven't missed the playoffs three years in a row yet. And we're running the risk of doing it this year. And this will have been the second year of expanded playoffs, which makes it even more pathetic because the bar to get in was so low to begin with. And as we discussed in the last show, how many juggernauts are in the American League right now? Maybe maybe the White Sox, if they live up to the hype. I mean, they got a great roster on paper. After that, who do you have? I mean, Yankees probably a playoff team. I'm guessing Houston probably gets in. Who knows with the Indians? They just sold off everyone. So uh, the the American League is pathetic right now, and it's completely wide open. So if we miss the playoffs again, <laughs> oh, my God. But like I said, there's no excuse for not bringing in a guy like Odorizzi if you have the money because in two years, you're hitting that reset anyway. You're going to have all the money in the world with all those contracts coming off the books. I think the reason why Oda Rizzi may not even want to come to Boston is the very reason why Kluber didn't come to Boston. Where is your team going to be in two years? What team? Everyone's contract is coming off the damn books. Literally everybody. You have a couple people that are arbitration eligible. Not one of them are big. Few are big names. Great. We're going to have a superstar closer. Who's never going to pitch because you don't have starters. You're never going to have a save opportunity. Uh, Xander Bogarts has an opt-out, I believe, at the end of 2022. So at the end of 2022, if I'm Jake Odorizzi, I sign a three-year deal. All right, cool. I'm just getting paid to pitch with the knowledge that I'm not going to make it to the playoffs because, well, my team can't do it. So I don't think Jake Odorizzi isn't coming here because he's not going to get paid. I think Jake Odorizzi isn't going to come to Boston because it's not a contender. It's not even close. Um, For those that think that the Red Sox have the ability to win more than 80 games, again, I ask you where you're getting the shit you're smoking because it's just not going to happen. They're missing way too – it's like the Titanic, and you're trying to, like, salvage it with duct tape. It it doesn't work. It it can't be fixed right now. Bloom, unfortunately, like I, I appreciate the effort, for the lack of a better term, of of them bringing in someone with a different mindset of not let's blow it up, let's spend ridiculous amounts of money, let's just get it done. To somebody who who's the exact opposite, that doesn't work. The Red Sox have been not like the Yankees, not like the Dodgers, but they've done it where they're one of the teams in the league that have one of the higher payrolls 
And now, pretty soon, instead of being in the top five, we're going to be in the middle ten, which is unheard of for the Red Sox. But we're not going to be in the middle ten and competitive. We're going to be in the middle ten in salary, but playing in the bottom ten overall. This is one of the worst teams. I I don't know how anyone can compare this Barely. If I'm on the Red Sox, if I'm a member of the 2013 Red Sox, I'm pissed that I just got compared to them. I'm, I'm upset. I'm annoyed. Because the 2013 Red Sox, that was that was a World Series caliber team. Aaron Boone, bro, you got lucky. You got lucky. That's it. The Red Sox would have gone to, I think they would have won that World Series. 2014, they got the job done. The, this team is... is is sad. Uh, there were some people that were comparing this to a triple A team. And I said, wow, that's awesome. You give us triple A. That's awesome. That's great. <laughs> there, there are some players in this team that, that are starting or, or, or playing for the Red Sox. They're not on triple A teams on any other ball club. So you need to spend money to make it look like you care. You're not spending any money. How do you expect the fan bases, the fan base to care or respect the team? Let alone respect you. I mean, I think that 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 is woo gone. Uh, I'm curious to know what Bloom is going to do for his next gig because it's not going to be in Boston post 2022-23. He's gone. I thought I was going to like him a lot better than we do. Cool name. I, I yeah. you know, I wasn't a signed Mookie guy, and you know, I thought, man, he's gonna. He's going to make some really interesting and intriguing moves, and it just it hasn't happened yet. It, and I'll I'll say this, it, Charlie, the the point you made about why doesn't Odorizzi want to come here? It's because they're not going to be competitive in a couple of years. That's that's a great point because when you look at it, the two biggest superstars on this team, it, at least in my view, are Bogarts and Devers, right? And you, you mentioned it earlier. The headline was that Devers and the Red Sox agree on whatever the price was. That was also because they couldn't sign him to a long-term deal. They they couldn't come to an agreement on a long-term deal. So right. that's a problem. And then you look at Bogarts and you hear, oh, yeah, they might actually let him opt out or they might trade him before he gets a chance to opt out. So if you're someone like Jake Odorizzi or Corey Kluber, you go, your two biggest young superstars are already thinking of ways to get out of town. This is after you shipped out Mookie Betts, who didn't want to be here. Um, and J.D. Martinez is going to opt out, or his contract's going to run out either way. Chris Sale is a superstar, but he's not on the field right now. And, oh, by the way, Eduardo Rodriguez still doesn't have a long-term contract, so he might be done soon. So, yeah, you're right. Like, if you're a free agent, you're looking at Cohen. If these guys don't all come back or they don't commit, this team's going to be a joke. They're not going to have anybody. What It's going to be Verdugo and other guys that they have under team control until they want to leave. Like Boston has, in general, Boston has a huge problem with just athletes not wanting to stay here. They don't want to play in Boston. They want to leave, or at least the first chance they get, they want to leave. So free agents look at that, and they have their agents look into it, and they go, yeah, I'm hearing from the Bogarts camp that He's either going to get traded or he's going to opt out because he's getting frustrated. Or, oh, I'm hearing from the Devers camp that he's frustrated that they can't come to an extension and he's going to leave the first chance he gets. And guys like Odorizzi, Kluber, and all these other guys are going, okay, then why, how would I go there? Right. Who, who's going to be around me? There's going to be no talent. So going to be nobody. I, yeah, and I don't want to be just another Tampa Bay Rays in the AL East because that can't get it done. So I'm going right. to go sign with the Dodgers. Because the Dodgers are going to win. They're going to spend all their money and they're going to win. Um, yeah. Or or I'm going to go to the Yankees. Because you know what? The Yankees are going to spend money. They haven't won in a while. But you know what? They're going to spend so much freaking money that at some point they probably will. Yeah. So. And here, the thing is, you know, what is the contract that Rafael Devers is looking for? How many years do you think he wants? Seven? Eight? Six or seven. Nine? Twenty-five? Twenty-eight? Per? Like, he's probably going to want something crazy. In 2023 and 2024, excuse me, 2024, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players 
that are the last year of their arbitration eligibility. That's terrifying. Of those guys, Nick Pavetta is on that list. Alex Verdugo is on that list. Christian Arroyo is on that list. Marcus Walden is on that list. Uh, Chavis still has one more year after that. Darwin's and Hernandez has one more year after that. Phillips Valdez, who is a reliever that I think collectively our group all enjoyed watching, is done the year after that. Who are you going to pay? Or are you going to not pay anybody? Like, it, it, it's... You have Xander Bogarts, who's the second, who was really the second face of the team after Mookie Betts. Mookie was the face even with Chris Sale here. It was Mookie's team. Mookie left. He didn't want to be here. Now you have Xander Bogarts, who has an opt-out after 2022. If he leaves, and I'm Rafael Devers, I'm either saying, you either got to overpay me to keep me here so that I can recruit other people here, or I'm gone too. And that's okay too. I'll just keep running the one-year arbitration eligibility deal like Mookie did, probably won't get the same amount of money as Mookie did, but there will be a team that probably crosses that bridge of 8160 minimum to get me to come play there. Is it going to be Robbie Cano, 8240? No, I don't think so. But it could eclipse 200 million easily. And at that point, you have for sale for another year. Maybe Xander, gone. JD, way gone. Nate Valdi, hella well, bro. Pedroia won't be here anymore. Erod, Maybe here, perhaps he's a, he's he's a free agent this year. At the end of 2021, he's he's potentially gone. Andrew Benintendi, we still don't know what's going on with that. Christian Vasquez, he has a 250 thousand dollar buyout next year. I mean, this whole team literally looks like a bomb went off, and they are literally trying to play. Uh, who can do Derek Jeter's version of the Miami Marlins best? And right now, the Red Sox are doing a pretty damn good job. Because in a couple years, it's very possible they turn into worse than that. They turn into the Tigers when they lost, what was it, like 116 games in one season? When you have no rotation, you have no hitters. I mean, it's frustrating. Because this is a team that three years ago won a World Series. If the Red Sox don't find a way to extend Devers... Like, you could wait another season to do it, conceivably. He's in arbitration one. So sure. you, you could wait one more year. But if they don't lock him up, that's the optics of that are brutal. <laughs> like That's yeah. terrible. Absolutely. And because the issue is, like, we can all sit here and say, well, it's only arbitration one. That's okay. But this is how it started with Mookie. Exactly. This is how it started. We all went, well, it's okay. Okay, they got time. Don't worry about it. They'll they'll get it done. And they you know, then it became, oh, it's he's arbitration too. Don't worry about it. It's okay. It's just another year. The, and they never got it done. And if Devers turns into that and he wants out of town, holy smokes, Terry's right. The optics of that, nobody wants to play for you. Nobody wants to stay here and play for you. Who, who becomes the face of the team? <laughs> Uh, who knows? Tanner who knows? Yeah. Martin Perez. <laughs> yeah, like Martin Perez is going to be the face. Like Martin Perez is going to be your opening day starter in 2022. Does that I, – I just, I just want to take a second. How sad could that potentially sound? Well, I think it would be sale at that point, but, but still, mm. uh, it's – you're right. Sale would be, yeah. Martin Perez as your two starter. Oh, yeah. Devers yeah. should get roughly what Bogart's got. You know, if you want to tack on a seventh year because he's younger, you know, fine. Sure. You know, 20 million yeah, a year gone. for a guy who's probably not going to play third base that whole contract, probably going to be a DH. I think that's yep. fair. I think that's fair. I think the most big poppy got paid in a season was 15, 16 million. So, you know, that's a very affordable deal. It's a no-brainer. Devers has been an extremely clutch hitter. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Big Poppy. He hasn't had that signature postseason, uh, you know, at bat yet. But he's been big-time clutch over the last few years. And there's no reason not to sign him. So I, you know, we can we can hammer on Heimbloom all night long. We're, we're pissed off about the pitching. I, I think most of us are resigned 
to the fact we're not going to get that that one piece that you know gives us the stability we're looking for. I just want to touch on Bogarts uh, before we wrap. He does have an opt out after um, this season. Now he does have essentially ten five rights. He got those early because Boris worked it into that contract. So for for the listening audience, what ten five rights are is normally when a player has been in the league for ten years and with his current team for the last five years, that player then has the right to veto any trade. And you don't you're talking about Bogarts, right? Yeah. So Bogarts is the opt out after twenty twenty two. Is it after twenty twenty two? My bad. Okay. Yeah, because he has this year and next year. I'm pretty sure. Cause so it's a- I completely heard that wrong. It's after the fourth season then? Bogarts may opt out of the contract after the 2022 season. Okay, my bad. All right. So that No, no, you're good. You're good. That's uh that changes my uh outlook a little bit, but uh, so he'll have 2 years uh left yep. to go on that. Where I was going to go with that is if he loves playing in Boston that much, I could kind of see him playing out the remainder of it with no guarantees after it runs up. So if it's up, if the opt-out's after 2022, so the contract must run through 2024. Is that right, Charlie? No, it's actually 2026. Uh, 2025 is the contract. 2026 is the is the option oh, that becomes guaranteed yeah. if he has 535 plate appearances in the year 2025 and maintains It's a vesting option, and that's that's an extremely you know reasonable goal, really. Like he should be able to get that. So that would be a seventh right, yeah. year. But uh, you know he's you know right around age 30. So I mean, you <laughs> saw the contract that DJ LeMahieu just got. You know, I could see him if he likes playing in Boston that much, just staying here. He has the power to override any trade. And and that doesn't mean he won't get traded. I mean, if he he he'll basically be able to hand pick whatever team he wants to go to. If the Dodgers want him, for instance, he can, you know, he can waive his 10-5 rights and and go to the Dodgers and, you know, team with Mookie again. Um I'm not saying that that's likely, but it's just an example. So um, yeah, so, I mean, I could still kind of see Xander staying, you know, fairly long term. And he strikes me as a guy who could be very productive throughout his 30s. I, I could see him being almost a Tory Hunter-like guy. I know we're comparing an infielder to an outfielder, but um I just, I mean, he's always in shape. He has had some injuries, kind of flukish injuries. You know, he had that awkward slide into the, you know, into the foul fence there along the first baseline, you know, chipped his ankle. But um, but for the most part, has been healthy and has played through injuries as well. So, you know, he's a bit of a gamer. And he's the de facto team captain. So, I mean, for $20 million a year... I don't see why the team wouldn't want to keep him around. You know, let him basically be the Derek Jeter of the Red Sox. So no, he he should be the guy they're building around. Yeah, he he should be one of the cornerstones of this franchise. So um, the only way they lose him is if they really screw it up. And like we said earlier, if he looks around and goes, "Well, you guys aren't building anything around me. You're just signing a bunch of Jags, and we're not going anywhere." So the hell with it. I'm going to waive my rights. I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah, and we we keep saying Tampa Bay North, but I'm starting to feel like this is Anaheim East at this point. <laughs> like just really bad. Well, well, Anaheim East has Anaheim East has the best hitter in baseball. Anaheim yeah. West, you mean? Yeah, I, I mean, if if we're the Angels, I mean, I think we have better pitching than they do. Right now, yeah, we probably do, but it's it's a bunch of retreads. So true. Yeah. Ooh, oh God, what team do you think is going to finish better this year? Angels or Red Sox? <laughs> well, 
Well, I mean, if the Angels get Trevor Bauer, I mean, that's kind of... Well, that changes that. But, I mean, right now in the current state, I mean, Red Sox just... All right. I like my odds. You guys should be pretty excited about this, too. We just got Martin Perez back. Oh, yeah. Who has a better record this year? Boston Red Sox or the Angels? Or do you want to ponder on this until next week where we've had some time to digest the fact that Martin Perez will be blessing us with his presence 30 times this year? Gun to my head, I'm still going to say the Red Sox, but it's it's yeah, I'll it, be holding it could be a horse race. It really could, you know, <laughs> into the last couple of weeks of the season. Oh, <laughs> It's it's really bad. I would still say Red Sox too. Yeah, yeah. I honestly don't know. I'd have to think about it. And yeah. honestly, it, I know we we brought it up earlier, but uh, Nesson has to be so thrilled that they still have exclusive rights to the Bruins, because holy smokes, I don't know where else they're going to get their ratings from. Yeah, because like the Bruins might be mildly interesting this year. They'll be more interesting than the Red Sox, at least from what we're seeing so far. Because oh my god, are the Red Sox even a watchable team on a scale of one to ten? Where would you rate them? How about like a three point five or a four? If if it's anyone other than Eduardo Rodriguez starting, they're a three or a four. Yeah, three point five four at best. I yeah, missing six point five. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too keen on tuning into a Nick Pavetta game. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's I mean, I'm interested. I want to see what he can do. I guess, but you know, I mean, if we go into the toilet by the end of April, then I mean, it's it's going to be brutal. See, guys, I mean. Last year was the first bad season that I've done as a podcaster. You know, 2017, we made the playoffs. We kind of knew we were doomed. We were facing Houston. We didn't know about the trash cans. Right. But, um, but you know, so we were into the playoffs. 2018, you know, first place all the way through the postseason. You know, won a championship. That was a fun season to be a podcaster. 2019 yep. kind of sucked, but we weren't horrible. I mean, we finished above 500. We were still conceivably in it until late August. And then mm-hmm. and then last year, the floor just fell out. And thank goodness it was only a 60-game season because of that. But if we're out of it in April, I mean, what are we going to do? You know? like <laughs> We're still going to do the damn show. But And I think yeah. credit to us last year, I mean – I don't talk about the metrics we have on the podcast, but we were holding the audience for close to an hour every show on a last place team and keeping it interesting, you know, but we only had to do it for two months. I don't, <laughs> you know, as a content creator, I'm, I, I'm just horrified at what this season could be, <laughs> you know, how do I? How do you keep it interesting for that long? You know, without getting you know just more MLB wide. You know, for the right. for the season. So I don't know, but it's depressing, and you know, the fan base so far is rejecting Bloom. I put out a tweet. I think it was the week before last to give Hein Bloom a letter grade. There was a lot of Fs. And one guy even gave him a Z. <laughs> Good. You know? Yeah. So, Good. so honestly, I it's it, it's somewhat encouraging to see that there's still some Red Sox fans that have their teeth, like you know, that still have the Shaughnessy in them, that still you know, look at this team objectively and still say no, we we deserve better than this. Because boy, I I feel like. Not just with the Red Sox. I feel like all Boston sports has been nothing but happy horse crap for like, you know, the last decade where it's just, oh, well, you know, it doesn't matter that they suck. They they still gave us a World Series a couple of years ago. Like, no, I, I want to see Red Sox fans get pissed off and demand more because this organization with its resources and with the talent it has should give us more. I'd like to see the beat writers get a little bit more aggressive. You know, I mean, I feel like they've gotten complacent, uh, you know, over the past decade. And 
the front office with you know Hein Bloom and Brian O'Halloran and you know the rest of their crew, they can't not be transparent if we're not getting results. Like they can't have it both ways and, and think that you know the fans are going to tolerate it. We're we're seeing that the fans aren't tolerating it. You know by the ratings, but the beat writers they need to have some teeth and start asking tough questions. And I'm so tempted to do a live stream and call some of them out. And I know at least a couple of them would probably see it. But, um, you know, that that would be a, a good step, you know, in, in the right direction. So, I, I don't know. Hopefully we'll we'll get surprised. Maybe there'll be an Oda Rizzi signing. You know, so I don't. I mean, our rotation is filled out. You know, I, Erod, Evoldi, Pavetta, Hauk, Perez, sail back in in July. I mean, we're full. We're full. Andres. You know, so I, it just doesn't make sense that we're going to make that move. But another thing, you know, I mentioned on, on a live stream last night. It feels like 2015, you know, when we added Miley Masterson and the moment we signed Rick Porcello, well, we traded for him first and then we extended him. The moment he was acquired from the Tigers, I knew we weren't going to get Cole Hamels. Like he was the guy I wanted all season long, you know, and that was my first season on Twitter. And I, I think I joined in like April. So that whole winter, I'm just refreshing MLB trade rumors.com like a hundred times a day, hoping, Oh, we might be in on Hamels. And there were, there was headlines saying that Hamels would waive his no trade clause to come to the Red Sox. So, you know, there was momentum there and, and I know there was dialogue between the Phillies, but it didn't happen. And then, we got we got Rick Porcello instead, and and you know Masterson was coming off of a bad year. I wasn't familiar at all with Wade Miley. You know he had come from Arizona, and and there was this ground ball theory, and the Red Sox thought we were going to be able to ride it out. We had the offense to offset the pitching, they thought, and and it didn't happen, and we finished last for the second year in a row, and. And, you know, the Perez signing on Saturday was was my Porcello 2015 moment. Like, oh, my goodness, this is it. You know, this is what we're going to go into the year with. And it's just so frustrating. Mm-hmm. Any, uh, any but Terry, part- don't 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 fret. Pretty Ricky is still out there. <laughs> Pretty Ricky with his nice hair is still out there. And, you know, he might just come back and pitch for free because he was so bad last year. That would be great, wouldn't it? Yay, that'd be awesome. If you listen to the Carabas podcast, that would be epic. They, they're they campaigning mm-hmm. for it right now with his six-something ERA with the Mets last year. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, he'd be great. Yeah, no, let's, let's have another guy give up 30-plus home runs every five days. That'd be fun. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the only guy I think I I I'm pretty sure even if you give him half a season, he's probably the only pitcher in Major League Baseball that could give up 30 jacks in 80 games in the regular season. It's like home run derby, just tee off. You know I what you're gonna get. I wouldn't pay a bag of used baseballs for Rick Porcello. Like, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no way. You know, the uh, there were some players that were injured or uh, waived their 2020 campaign. And one player who was injured uh, last year, I believe he had surgery, but was good just a couple years ago, arguably uh, one of the better and best pitchers in the American League, was Chris Archer. Chris Archer did not get renewed. He was released from the Pirates. I would be willing to take a flyer on Chris Archer. (laughs) I've seen him do that one time off the mound at Fenway Park. And I think that could potentially flip the tide to, you know, where we had the idiots banging in the dugout and crap like that. Somebody like that, why not? What's the worst that could happen? Another Tampa Bay guy? Come on down. (laughs) I hate Archer, but, you know... uh, (laughs) I mean, I... I don't know. I don't hate him like I hate Marcus Stroman, but I just... You know, I just don't think he's going to, you know, perform. 
Would you give him a one-year six million dollar deal? Not six million. No, I'd give. No, him I one. wouldn't give him six. What would you give him? Probably three a couple. A yeah, maybe maybe three. I give, give him five or six because there's probably not going to be any other team that's going to pay him that. What else are you going to do with the money? That's what I'm complaining about. We <laughs> spend it on pitching. We that had the Rogers. resources to be better, and we chose not to. I, I agree. I agree. Get Chris Archer in here. Brad Hand is still available. He's being rumored to be either a Met or a Blue Jay. Still available. What about John Lester? Still out there. What about John Lester? Going to be healthy. <laughs> He'll be healthy. Well, you are not going to give up the John Lester thing, are you? <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? John Lester was around. God, I, I want him to just Christ. sign with the Giants so bad just so we can put this to bed. <laughs> I John Lester deserves to pitch in a stadium where the competition is not as difficult, where every ninth batter will come up ever so timidly with a bat shaking in his his wet paws, and that'll give him a little bit of grace, knowing that I might get one easy out here. I think John Lester's time is almost up. And by almost up, I mean just because he hasn't retired yet. Well, you want to bring back John Lester to Boston? I would love to have a long reliever. I would never put John Lester as a starter at Fenway ever again. You're going to get a guy that's durable, though, because every year since... 2008 he's had at least 30 starts you know outside right. of, of course 2020 that's true that's true so you're, you're getting durability and you're just hoping that you know dave bush can help him rediscover something or transition into something else you know that that's what you're getting you know with lester but that certainly sounds better than you know julio teheran or or yeah julio Tehran. yeah or yes. He's another funny one. He had a, a really bad year last year. But, I mean, you got the money. Spend some money. Make it look like give a damn. Because otherwise, it's it's like watching that movie Major League 2. You got a bunch of people that probably shouldn't be here, that are here. We're going to have to watch him here. Yeah. And how, how ironic would it how ironic would it be if we got Anibal Sanchez, one of Dave Dombrowski's Detroit guys that he gave a big, you know, five-year deal to. <laughs> Heinblum takes well, Dombrowski's I, job and then takes one of his retreads, you know. How, how old is Anibal Sanchez now? Uh, 30, like 38, 39? 36, like, uh, I think. Is he? Oh, jeez. feels so. older than that. He pitched... I have to look it up because I honestly don't remember. He's 36. Oh, God. Yeah. Wow. I thought I saw Anibal that. Sanchez... Yeah, he's had two good years outside of his rookie year. 2010, where he won, excuse me, 2013, where he won 14 games, had a 2.57 ERA. And that was the turning point. Everyone's like, oh, he's going to be better. He's going to be great. You're going to love him. And then he had a couple years after that uh, where he went 11-8 in, in 2019 when he was no longer in the American League because he was not meant for the American League. And yeah, he had he had one good season. That was the only year. Let me see here. Excuse me, I stand corrected. He had two years of 200 plus strikeouts. One with Florida, one with Detroit, and then incredible regression. It was like he forgot how to throw strikeout, like throw strikes. Yeah, incredible. 2013, Unreal. he had the lowest ERA in the American League, and then game one of the ALCS, he outpitched Lester. In, in game one against Detroit. So that was definitely the high point. And I think 2019, that was his Atlanta Braves year. And he was okay that year, uh, better than I thought he would be. Um, so, yeah, it's brutal. I, I mean, Odorizzi is the only guy I like. You know, I do like Lester, but admittedly, I know there could be just more regression there. So, um I'm, I'm, that's why I'm not on Twitter screaming for him, but uh, but yeah, I think there's there might be a little resentment, you know, from John Henry. I I could see him being a little spiteful, like oh, he made me look like an ass in the media. Screw him. We're not going down that route or whatever. So it makes sense. It's logical. Yeah, why I think, would you want to bring him back again? There's like, mutual disdain. I I feel like between them, and so yeah. But all right, I, I feel like this was he a could come back. What's that? 
he could come back. We didn't, it's not like he, he was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to take my talents to South Beach like LeBron James. They're burning his jersey in Cleveland. It wasn't like that. But I, I 100% agree with you. I think that John Le- uh, John Lester isn't going to come back, not because he doesn't necessarily want to, but because ownership doesn't have to relive the uh, the Band-Aid situation where they ripped it off, they got rid of him, and now it's like, oh, the wound has come back again. Yeah. I don't think they want to redo that. I think you're right. They probably don't. But yeah. Well, all right. We'll uh, we'll wrap on that. This kind of felt like a you know a therapy session, you know, a vent <laughs> session. And uh, I definitely, I know I wasn't on point. This wasn't my best show. I I, I labored through this one. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it needed to uh, it needed to be recorded. And uh, hopefully, you know, with some of that money. We'll uh we'll we'll do something with it. I mean, if if Alex Verdugo gets hurt, we have no outfield. So there's that. You know, we're pretty thin there. And uh, you know first base God if that happens. Yeah. Well, oh. You never know. He missed half of uh you know, twenty nineteen. So all right, so for the for the listening audience, we will be back as soon as a development happens. If a major development across the league happens, we could be back to cover it. Uh, you know, Trevor Bauer's market is a little cold right now, but if that suddenly uh, he ends up somewhere, we would certainly come back on. So uh, just uh, be on the lookout, and uh, every day that passes, we're one more day from pitchers and catchers, and... Just take it all as it comes. Take care.